Yeah, we're back. We're live 10 a.m. on a given Monday morning here on ThinkTech talking about Bike Share. Bike Share Hawaii delivers environmental benefits with Todd Boulanger, who is the executive director of uh, Bike Share. Welcome to the show, Todd. Aloha and uh, aloha to your uh, listeners out there around the world, I believe. Around the world, indeed. <clears throat> Actually, we have a video out naming all the countries that we get contributions uh, from and we and we stream too. And it's really, you're right, all around the world. So <clears throat> Todd, you know, it's not only bike share that makes uh, for environmental benefits, it's biking in general. And one big question I have for you is, how is biking done in the time of COVID? Well, it's, it's other than some, I guess the question is overall, I mean, people still jump on their bicycles during COVID and actually more people did, uh, as you may have read a lot of them pressed from the continent and from other countries. A lot of people transition from transit use, uh, especially enclosed transit, like sub, uh, su um, subways and such to bicycles and other open air options. And even, um, uh, such as ride hailing, you know, ride hailing just definitely saw a drop off there because people were looking for socially distant and kind of open air transportation options that were also affordable and convenient. And, you know, bicycling ticked all those boxes. And, um, you know, that, the, the thing about it is, that, you know, you, uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that if you're outdoors, you're, you're better off. Uh, so if you're riding a bike and you're in the outdoors, whatever the circumstances, you're going to be better off. Furthermore, I would say that riding a bike, especially like in a Peloton, you know, or well, even side by side, uh, is going to be relatively safe because you're outdoors and the air is blowing the virus away from you. Uh, am I right about that? And do people understand that? Uh, I believe so. I mean, I'm not a I'm not an uh, an aerosol or <laughs> an air quality scientist, but that's um, though you know as long as you're kept socially distant um, and you're you know you're healthy uh, is a great choice. And uh, I assume you mean small p peloton, not the um, the big p peloton now. Um, regarding regarding that very question. <laughs> Regarding that very question, we, we reached out to our members. We do an, a biannual, excuse me, a twice every two year survey of our membership. And back in June 2020, in the depths of COVID, we asked our members some COVID related questions. And the feedback we got, those members um, that were still riding Beaky, about 79% of them stayed with Beaky because they felt it was a, the safest. Uh, shared option out there, you know, safer than transit, safer than uh, Uber, Lyft, you know, sharing a car with their auntie, you know, they just wanted to get on a bike. And we also saw our, our average ride time and length um, go up by about 25 to 30 percent. And a lot of that was they were skipping intermediate trips. Like a lot of people used to use Beaky to get to transit. Well, when transit cut back and or the choice of being, you know, outside, a lot of people just rode Beaky for those trips. And additionally, a lot of people, because there weren't a lot of legal recreation options back last summer, you know, you couldn't go to parks and such, people were riding Beakies for their mental health. And uh, we got a lot of feedback that people were just very happy to have that option um, to get out of the house. You know, if you're, Zoom, if, you're, if you're working and living 
among the same bubble for so long, for months or weeks, um, getting out on a bike and just seeing the town, especially Waikiki when it was uh, less crowded, was was great mental uh, medicine. Isn't that true? You know, biking is always mental medicine. <clears throat> the good times, the bad times, and certainly these times, uh, to ride around, get a little air, get a little exercise, get a little space. Uh, you know, the thing about it is a lot of people just stay home these days. And, uh, you know, you can get claustrophobic after a while. There was uh, an article about uh, that in uh, Lee Cataluna's uh, column, Civil Beat, a couple of days ago. <clears throat> so I thought was interesting is, you know, that personal worlds are changing. And one of the reasons uh, personal worlds are changing is that our, you know, we, we're limited, we're contained, we don't get out, we stay at home. And we have, you know, after a while, you have a different view of the world. And biking can help you in your, you know, your whole perspective. <clears throat> but you mentioned, you know, that uh, a lot of people riding, riding more these days, especially on Beaky, where you have, you have the, the stats, you have the electronic data. So um, tell me what kind of you know, system you have that you could tell us that it's 20% more rides or rather more distance. And um, tell us uh, how you can determine these stats from your existing system, which I've always felt was, was pretty high tech, where you know where every bike is and so forth. How does that work, Todd? So, you know, so the Beaky system, um, the equipment is provided by the International Bike Share Company, um, PBSC, um, and they're out of Montreal, Canada. And so our stations are our smart stations. And so we know when the bikes are at the station, we know what station they start at, what station they end at. And so from those minute by minute um, stats, we can, you know, drill down and look at, you know, what type of rider are you? A, are you a member, a Kama'aina member? Are you a visitor? Are you new to the system? So we, we can kind of drill down and, re, and report on those stats. And, and that's how we developed um, the ride times and the ride distances and how those changed over the years. And that was part of our, uh, I guess, impetus to releasing this recent news release on the environmental benefits of Beaky. Now that we have four years under our belt and we're now in our fifth, um, but we haven't reported on the most recent stats. And so we wanted to share that with the community, showing that in addition to being an essential mobility service during the pandemic, Beaky has also been delivering year by year um, environmental benefits. You know, everyone always thinks that Beaky is a, you know, is a, just a transportation or DTS kind of benefit. But we also want to show that other city departments and agencies and even state agencies have draw benefits from bike share out in the field. So that's why we reached out to our friends at the climate office um, to get their you know, input and reflection on some of our environmental uh, stats. Hmm. Huh. Very interesting and important because um, you, know, you are, or in years to come, you will be an important factor in getting around the city, which is, you know, we'll go back to more congestion, I'm sure. Uh, and bikes will become that much more important, I'm sure. Not only as well, uh, getting getting to uh, you know where you need to go, but also for recreation, as you say. Go ahead. You were going to say something, Todd. Yeah, you know, a lot of. I mean, when we were when we were planning Beaky back almost uh, almost eight years ago, um, way before the launch, you know, it was it was going to dovetail in in with the opening of uh, the, the city's light rail or Hearts light rail system. Um, 
but as you know, it's, that's been postponed. And so Beaky has been delivering benefits even while the rest of the system is still growing and, and developing. Um, one of the, the major positive outcomes the city has just completed are the Ward and Pensacola protected bikeways. You know, myself as a commuter, um, when I used to commute the same route between Moili Ili and Kaka'ako, I would have, you know, zero bike lanes. You know, if you went back five years, there was nothing between those two points other than, you know, very busy traffic lanes sharing with cars. You know, maybe you had Young Street. You could yeah, I used to ride to work on Young Street. This yeah. is before anybody had any bike lanes. Right. So you would have to stop and, stop and start at every major intersection. Now, between those two points, between um, um, Pakua Market and Kaka'ako, where I work, I have 95% protected bikeway all the way in. It's, it's fabulous. And um, Ward is just, you know, the city is getting better and better at design as time goes on. Um, I think the one, the one important thing that Beaky really has changed in the city is that, you know, Honolulu, the citizens of Honolulu never had a shortage of bicycles. You know, there's, there's about two bikes, excuse me, there's about two, uh, one bike for every two cars in Oahu. But as you, as you and I know, you know, Honolulu is not like Amsterdam, you know, there's not people riding bikes everywhere. And primarily those reasons were, you know, people don't know people had flat tires on their bikes or they didn't have fenders or they didn't have lights. So a lot of those bikes just stayed in the garages in dust. Whereas Beaky has brought people, you know, re reduced the barrier to the entry to ride a bike every day or every week or by choice. You know, when, when you have a bike that's available next to your office or next to your home and it's there 24 seven, you're going to jump on it. Um, well, you know, you may, you raise an interesting point in my mind, and that is that, you know, before Beaky, that's called um, BB, BB, before Beaky. Uh, <laughs> or PB, <laughs> <you're> operating, <laughs> you've, been, you've been operating, what, four or five years now. <clears throat> but before Beaky, you know, everybody had that bike in, in, in the garage, what have you. Uh, and you're right, a lot of people, you know, had it in the garage, they didn't take it out much. There were you know, some racers and some, you know, dedicated people that rode bike all the time. Uh, I was for a while uh, be before the traffic got too threatening. And, um, you know, I just wonder about the ultimate result of all this, the competition, if you will. You know, you have bike stores still. Um, they sell a lot of bikes because the weather's good and people buy bikes. Uh, and there are, you know, those people who really like to have the top of the line bikes and they're going to buy those bikes for thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, but at the end of the day, Todd, looking forward into the development of this, um, this community, are we going to see a, a tilt, uh, a tipping point toward Beaky type bikes away from privately owned bikes? Or are privately owned bikes going to always continue in the mix? What do you think? Well, if you look at other cities, I mean, DC's had, um, I used to operate a, a bike parking garage in, in DC as part of the bike station system. It was a coast to coast smart mobility hub system. And bike sharing entered DC about 2010, one of the first systems in the nation. And in the eight years I was working with that system, the, the sale of private bikes never, never dropped off. And even rent, rent a bikes. I mean, 
the market for renting bikes is kind of split between bike share, which is by the minute, and daily rentals. You know, if you want to go on a full tour of the island, uh, long distance, many hours, you're generally going to rent a bike from one of the fine shops in Waikiki or in Kaka'ako and, or in town. Um, the city's plan for bike sharing, you know, the Department of um, Planning and Permitting back in 2014 did an organizational plan for bike sharing. And the city does have future plans for bike share hubs, you know, uh, throughout the island of Oahu in the major populated centers. Now, that's going to take time. Um, but even with that, bike sharing generally doesn't, doesn't cannibalize bike sales in as much as um, it leads more people to adopt cycling. It's a low barrier to entry. You know, you pay your 4 or 5 or $6 for that initial trip, depending on its length. And then once you realize the streets aren't as threatening as they were maybe 10 or 20 years ago, then you kind of integrate cycling um, into your daily life. And at some point you'll realize, well, maybe I want to go faster or maybe I want an electric bike or I want more carrying capacity for my child or my cargo or whatever, or I want to bring my child along, you know, beaky bikes. If you're under the age of 16, without, you know, you're not allowed to ride our bicycles if they're youth. So a lot of parents ride, you know, they'll, they'll throw their child's bike into the back of their car and then they'll take that to the park and then the parents will ride a beaky with their child. And so in many ways, it's kind of a, a, a gateway vehicle to people, including bicycling, more in their life. Yeah, mix and match. Now, one very interesting uh, thing here is that beaky um, is connected with the city. Um, I don't know if that gives you a lot of clout with the city on the condition of roads, for example, and potholes and sharrows and bike lanes and what have you. Um, but I'm sure you speak to them about it. Uh, what's the connection and, and how, can, how are you um, helping uh, safety? How are you helping the condition of the streets on which not only Beaky rides, but we all ride? So... Bike Share Hawaii and Beaky is really just one partner um, in a larger scope of um, uh, promoting cycling in the city and, and traffic safety. I, I would say we bring a lot of citizens and residents and also visitors to the table. You know, Beaky has kind of increased the, the mass of consumers of that product. You know, imagine if, you know, if, this, if the city's electrical system, you know, if HECO's electrical system with only 10% of the houses used um, electricity. Where Beaky, you know, we probably quadrupled the number, the user base that we're frequently using our streets as cyclists. And so that, you know, when questions about, you know, should there be a bikeway here or should, um, you know, certain traffic laws be adjusted for sharing the road or complete streets, you know, there's more, more people in, in the dialogue. Um, so as, as you pointed out, yes, Beaky, Beaky is a partner with the city, and it's it's a, and a unique um, public-private partnership. So there's a, a three-legged um, kind of partnership. Beaky's in the middle. We hold a contract with the city to provide the public bike share, uh, and then we also have a contract with our uh, our operator, Secure Bike Bike Share Hawaii, and and they're the ones that do a lot of the hard work day in and day out moving bikes, cleaning bikes, repairing bikes. And 
they also own a majority of the fleet. They provided the initial $5 million to get Honolulu a world-class system. When uh, the planners at DPP, um, when they came up with the plan, the city, if it had been 100% community-owned or city-owned, it would have been 10 to $12 million. So the public-private partnership um, came in and, and built on the initial $1 million grant the city gave us and the $1 million grant that the state gave us to organize and pick the pick the, the operator and pick the equipment and pick the layout. You know, should it be docked, should it be dockless, smart bikes, dumb bikes, smart kiosks. You know, we went through all that public process. You know, Lori McCartney and Ben Trevino and our board did a lot of hard work between the uh, years of 2015 and 2017, even before the first bike went out into the, into the revenue system. You mentioned before that, uh, you know, you have stats and to me, that's very, very sexy. You know, back when, you know, baseball, nobody even knew the batting averages. Now, you know, everything about everybody and, uh, and the announcers are telling you ad infinitum exactly what the stats are. And, and that makes it sexy. And it makes it sexy with bikes, too. But not only sexy, it also helps the city plan. For example, if you know that, um, you know, you're using this new bike lane on Ward Avenue, um, then that's that's an encouragement to the city politically. Uh, if people are taking certain routes, um, you know, then, then maybe that helps you understand the way traffic in general flows in the city, or at least bike traffic. So the stats are really important. Um, and it also makes you know, um, you know, or helps you know what the dynamic is. You know, we know that 4.3 million bike share rides have happened since you started this. Um, so, you know, what's the dynamic? Is it growing? Is it, is it uh, diminishing at certain times of the year? Did COVID affect it up and down or down? Um, you know, wh what do we need to do for planning? You have the stats. And so I just, I wonder what stats you have and where they go in terms of planning a better city, uh, a better metropolitan area, a better, you know, what do you would call a transportation community. Um, and you could have the best stats of all because you control the bikes. You, you, can, you know, and, and I know that uh, the, uh, what is it, uh, Montreal outfit is uh, the one who developed the software, but is it going further than that? Uh, can we assume that in the future there'll be more stats? Uh, what do we got now and where are we going, Todd? Well, the, the road ahead is very, very exciting in the sense that, you know, if you look, you know, if you look uh, as a playbook, other cities, you know, other cities on the continent and in Europe and in Asia, they've integrated bike share with, you know, public bus systems and, you know, the new Holocard uh, opens that possibility. So you could have a seamless one ticket ride between um, cycling and transit and even car sharing, you know, other, other cities have integrated car sharing into that, you know, that, that shared mobility fleet. Um, and so that's, you know, that's one, one way of, of kind of making the, the, the data even smarter, um, knowing where, you know, how people can be portable in their mobility. Um, as you mentioned, yes, we do have stats and, and part of our reporting um, through the press this last uh, month has been, you know, what does cycling do for the environment? And, and the great thing about that is it's not a mitigation. We're not, we're not undoing a damage. Like, you know, if, if you drive a car and you buy fuel, then, you know, 
you're, a lot of people purchase, you know, clean air credits by planting trees. Well, cycling generally avoids those emissions. And so avoidance is much better than mitigation. And, and cycling, you know, think about think tech. I mean, what bicycling as a technology is very old, but what, what's made it relevant now is data. And that's the key point you bring up, data and also electrification. You know, our next phase with the help of the city and state and our other business partners would be to start electrifying the fleet. The stations would recharge the bikes, the bikes would be powered so that, you know, we could have a much broader pop, um, population area, service area, you know, back of Palolo Valley, parts of Kaimuki, um, parts of uh, Nuwanu, and even Kalihi. I mean, Kalihi is just a, a great untapped market. We would love to work with the city on spreading our system towards where more people live and work versus the core where we are now. And, you know, that's the exciting part of this, of this job is. You anticipated my next question, which was, okay, I've seen the solar cells on the Beaky stations, right? So your uh, essential electronics are being run by solar, which means um, that at least as far as that's concerned, if we had extreme weather, um, bikes would be a peaky bikes would be a great way to get out and you know get transportation because it wouldn't lock up. In other words, uh, I hope this is true um, that you could still use the peaky bike even if the power went down. But you point out that you need the power to charge the bikes, and so uh, step two is to use the same solar approach at each station and charge the bikes. Is that where you're going? Um. I think that's that that endpoint is a little further down the road. Um, the, the next phase for recharging e-bikes at the stations, the, the stations would have to be tied into the, the electricity grid. And so we've been talking to uh, our friends at HECO, the fleet electrification folks, about how best to integrate Beaky in that next phase into the power grid. Um, what we're what we're thinking about is, you know, a lot of renters. Uh, you know, Honolulu is filled with a lot of people living in 1960s, 70s, 50s apartments. There's no bike room. There's no secure place to park a bike, recharge a bike, or even recharge an electric car. You know, if we're electrifying our car fleet, we have to start thinking about where will people recharge them. And so as part of that, you know, there'll be more and more public EV car chargers. And so we're talking to folks about integrating electric bike uh, share charging with those EV charging uh, stations. So, you know, we can share them in the utility grid and, and other things. Um, just to give you an idea, but you can recharge about 50, a station of 50 Beaky bikes for what it, the power draw of one EV car charging wow. uh, stall. Um, and again, regarding resiliency, a lot of, a lot of cities plan for more bike use during post-hurricane events and earthquake events, because you're right, our stations are, you know, are solar powered for the communications. And so we can keep running, even if the, the current electricity grid is down, um, our stations have a memory of members. And so if you have a Beaky card, you could uh, conceivably use this, the Beaky stations that you've been using um, if you're on that whitelist to rent bikes, even say if the, the local cell phone tower went down. Um, and, and such. And so I carry a beaky card because, um, you know, I can, go, I can go swimming at the beach and if I drop my card in the sand or the water, it still keeps working. Um, but my smartphone, you know, may not uh, work as well. So, 
it's my backup. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I think we will have extreme weather. And uh, ultimately, the question is, uh, what happens when, um, you know, the grid goes down because of extreme weather? And uh, I'm not sure how we're going to handle that because the electric cars won't be able to charge. And I guess the bikes won't be able to charge. And um, at that point, you better go back to your garage and get your old fashioned bike and drive it <laughs> and ride it. Well, it, it depends. I mean, there are, you know, there are systems where if you have an electric car plugged into the network, you could, you could draw power from some electric cars. So that is kind of the, the future. And, and, and so there is some resiliency benefit there, you know, people with power walls and other um, localized um, batteries. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's, but let's I think go. Go ahead. Oh. But I think additionally, getting back to the environmental question, you know, a lot of us are really kind of are, are on an island and we can't we can't choose not to fly jets to get around. You know, if we go to Maui County, if we go to visit our friends and family on the West Coast, we have to use fossil fuels. And I think the key thing about um, bicycling, you know, and Beaky is that, you know, you can you can kind of maybe bank those fuel hours by cycling more on Oahu for your short trips. You know, to get that quart of milk, to go see your friends, you know, to go to work, because you know you have a choice here, and you know you can kind of uh, help have fun and and do the do the the, the climate friendly thing in your daily life, because you know you have to dip into that bank when you fly elsewhere, um, and that's and that's I think our point in our in our current news news release. Well, I think it helps uh, reshape the city. The, the experience, the scenario you describe about the quart of milk is, uh, I, don't, I don't want to ride five miles to get that. If there's a neighborhood store, I'll go to the neighborhood store with my beaky. And uh, I may make three trips, it's okay, because it's a neighborhood store. So this, this actually, I mean, we'll see what happens, but this actually has the, um, you know, the, the possibility of redesigning our neighborhoods uh, the city has to follow and allow it from a zoning point of view. But, you know, back in the old day, right, we had a lot of little neighborhoods and Beaky may help re, re, return to that. Well, that builds into what they call is the 15 minute neighborhood. And, you know, Beaky helps when I tell my, my friends and, and contacts on the North Shore and Waianae Coast and other places, you know, you may not have a Beaky station near your home or office currently, but you're your aunts and uncles and your, your, your nephews going to UH and other schools in town are using Beaky. And Beaky has helped get those kaka'ako and those mo'ili'ili and drivers, you know, off the streets onto a Beaky for those short convenience trips. So that, you know, for those that have to drive in for the North Shore, you know, it frees up a lane mile and also parking spaces in town when they, they have to come into town mm. by car. You know, that's mm -hmm. until rail is finished and until other options exist, people in the outer areas of Oahu have to drive into town um, if the bus doesn't work for them or they can't carpool. And, you know, with COVID, um, it becomes even more important that more people be key in town to help the folks in the outer areas come into town. Sure, absolutely. So we've been touching on the environmental, um, you know, benefits of uh, biking and Beaky. Um, and you, you had a study of, about that and you had an article in the paper recently, but I, I wonder if I could give you the opportunity to, to, to list them for us. What are the environmental benefits we should focus on uh, when we consider using Beaky? Well, um, the, 
the avoidance of driving trips, um, you know, have allowed uh, with the 10.2 uh, million miles that BT riders have um, ridden between 2017 and 2020, um, that has allowed an avoidance of about over 12 million pounds of carbon dioxide to be released in the air. Uh, furthermore, if you look at those numbers, um, that's kind of an equivalent to over 1,200 passenger vehicles um, being driven, you know, per those emission uh, calculations, or um, over 1,300 homes, uh, the, you know, the emissions from electrifying those homes for, you know, lights and air conditioning and, and many things that we need now. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, those are the clim climate-friendly outcomes of, of, those, of those activities that are uh, over 4 million um, trips on Oahu have helped. Uh, the other thing, you know, Beaky allows, you know, Beaky, this data has shown that Beaky is both effective, but it's also fun. I mean, there are not a lot of environmentally friendly choices in our life that are actually often more fun than the behavior they're replacing. You know, so I think that's, I think that's a critical component. And, you know, we're not suggesting that people Beaky every day, but, you know, try it once a week and then see how it fits in your life. You know, we have stations in the Kaka'ako parks. Um, those are really kind of laid back and chill places to rediscover cycling. Um, and you, then you can go to Salt or some other um, places <laughs> afterwards for a great meal at Highway Inn and, and, and such. Um, but additionally, we've done some, um, some outreach in the past with the AARP, and we found that the, the senior set, the slower seniors, they jump right back on the bikes. I mean, after an initial wobble, they're, they're, they're like they're 20, they're like they're 15 or 10 year old again, um, just enjoying life. And, and Beaky's are really designed for that. They're lighter, they're a low step through, um, the seat's very adjustable. And so they're, 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 in many ways, it's easier for seniors to adopt cycling than it is for our youth, sadly. You know, a lot of children currently did not grow up cycling throughout their communities, you know, as you and I did when we were younger um, during the last bike boom. Um, and so it's going to take a little bit more work. And I think HBL's um, bike education course is a great first step. And they're great partners with, with us and cycling in general. And the other benefit that the city's seeing is, is what's called safety in numbers. You know, when, when drivers see more and more cyclists, out on the roadway, they know to kind of react and what to expect when, when traveling around cyclists. Because, you know, when cyclists use a roadway, they often have to behave differently than a driver does because the roadways still aren't often uh, cyclist friendly. There may be a pothole, there may be um, a traffic signal that doesn't work for cyclists. You know, there all these little things that cyclists understand, but drivers are beginning to know because more drivers are cycling as Beaky customers, but also they're seeing more um, riders out there. Yeah, we want we want Honolulu to look like Amsterdam, with, with a, mil a million cyclists in every direction, and all loving it. <laughs> well, I'll I'll take a little bit more sunshine than Amsterdam. I love Amsterdam, and I've done a lot of my professional studies there. Um, you know, Honolulu could be better than Amsterdam in that sense. Because sure, I agree. So you know, with the, the environmental benefits, the personal benefits, the community benefits. 
Um, it's all it's all good. And um, you mentioned that you you received a grant of five million dollars to buy your existing fleet. So um, my actually, question is actually, actually to clarify that that was an investment from the operator in, of the five million. Okay, um, investment. Received, yeah, yeah. But the, the, so the, the question city is, state of, go ahead. The question is, um, what's the next tranche? Uh, what's the next, um, you know, step in terms of buying more bikes or in having investors help you buy more bikes? Uh, in terms of um, expanding the number of bike stands, you know, um, where where is this going? You know, if if as you as you have said, this is attractive to the city, to the public, even to the moms and pops. Um, uh, where are we going in terms of increases in the future? Well, there's there's multiple levels. So right now we're in, in our fifth year of operation and our operators is starting to set aside funds for some very important upgrades. You know, the, the fleet during COVID because of the, the lack of rental cars, our bikes were being used twice as often. So we have to um, replace parts uh, twice as often this, this next year because of the, uh, the higher use during COVID. Um, additionally, as everyone knows, the cell networks are being changed. You know, we're, 3G is going away, and so all of our modems and all of our stations need upgrading. So that's a, a, an important upgrade task that our operator is doing. Additionally, um, you know, we're in a tropical uh, environment, and so, you know, rust is starting to catch up on us. So we have to um, start planning in the next uh, year or two for some, uh, some painting of stations and, you know, long long-term maintenance um, impacts. Plus also, we have to start looking at the next five to 10 years, you know, as we, as we should um, with the city's help and the state's help double or triple down on bike share. You know, we need to add more bikes back into the system and new bikes, as we previously mentioned about electric bikes. You know, that's, if that's a path we wish to take, you know, we'll have definitely more, probably 300% more rides because electric bikes are more um, accessible to many more riders, but it also takes, you know, an investment of, you know, 2x compared to the conventional or the analog bike that we have now. So and that's, that's what we're currently involved with the city on planning the next five years of the system and the investments it'll take. And, and additionally, as you, your, your listeners may not know, um, Bike Share Hawaii, the nonprofit, you know, we don't see any revenue from the system. Um, all of our funds for planning and permitting and, you know, communicating like this come from our business sponsors. And that's, you know, we're unusual in that we don't have a single city bank or a single um, system-wide sponsor. We've traditionally had a hui of um, local businesses from um, um, the electric company to Hawaii Pacific Health, HMSA, and such uh, American Savings Bank, they all chipped in to keep to keep our role going as kind of the intermediary between the city and the operator to look at the public benefit side and also to keep the system sustainable. Um, so it's called it's called Bike Share Hawaii. Does that mean it's in every island? Uh, no, but good point. So the name the, the name was developed because we do provide. Uh, outreach to other systems. So right now there is not a system on Maui, though Maui and Kauai are interested. Uh, there's only um, a sister system uh, on the Big Island. So Hilo and Kona uh, through the nonprofit path. 
the, the county there has funded bike share. The Hawaii County has funded bike share as a, as a transit link. And so um, that's something we would definitely love to talk to the city and county of Honolulu about similar initiatives here to, to better link um, neighborhoods to transit to uh, in town with bike share. We're out of time, Todd. I am really sorry. Um, but I, I like to say I learned a lot about bike share Biki today. And I'm, I'm looking forward to more and more of it because I believe it will transform our city and in some ways uh, the whole yeah. state. Um, if I can throw out one last uh, point, we're always looking for new donations and new business sponsorships. So please contact me through our website, gobiki.org. And we'd love to talk to how your business can help uh, cycling and, and safety and uh, public health on Oahu. Thank you, Todd. Todd Bulan Bulanjay, the Executive Director of Biki Hawaii, Bike Share Hawaii. Thank you so much. Thank you. Aloha. Thank you.